God, we thank you for this beautiful morning and for the opportunity to be here. Uh, We pray as we begin to think about what it means to hear from you that you're present in this moment, that you open our hearts and minds to hearing from you today, Um, that as we think about what that looks like as we move forward, that we can receive that in this moment. In your name we pray. Amen. So this series, uh, which started two Sundays ago with Angela, we're focusing on practices that form the mind of Christ in us. In other words, we're focusing on how we are connecting with God and becoming more like Christ. And today we want to talk about what it means to hear God. Now, any of the parents in the audience, and and I just need to note this before we start, understand that there is a fundamental difference between hearing and listening. And if you're a teacher, which I was for a long time, I, I, I have felt that difference. And so when we talk about hearing from God, part of what we also need to talk about is not just what we're hearing, but whether we're in the space that we're able to listen to it. Right? Because we can hear lots of things without actually listening to them, as any parent can tell you. And so often when we're saying we're not hearing from God, really what we're saying is we're not listening. So as we keep that in mind, right, when we think about hearing from God, we often expect a booming voice, something big, something clear. We expect a sign to fall from heaven. I think I have an illustration of that. (laughs) Unfortunately, a lot of people that I've talked to express a concern that there's something wrong with the connection. What we expect to happen is not what we actually hear or see. That when we expect to hear from God, we instead get static. It's almost like God is on mute. And the reality is, I spent a lot of time on Google for you all, okay? (laughs) This is just to make sure you're listening, or at least somewhat entertained if you're not. But the reality is that there's so much static. And sometimes it is genuinely hard to decipher hearing God and hearing the rest of the world. We have work, social and career pressure, family, our own goals. And all of these create static and get in the way of us actually hearing what God is trying to tell us. See, when I was younger, and honestly probably a lot more confident, I used to pray that God would just send me an email. Because I reasoned that if God were just clear with me and used my preferred method of communication... (laughs) then I would be able to understand my creator so much better. It was a win-win. I would do what God wanted me to do. I would know what God wanted me to do. However, as I've grown, God has yet to send me an email. Um, And I've learned that while God is speaking, always, the avenue isn't often the one we expect God to speak through. In 1 Kings, we see God interacting with his prophet Elijah, And in this passage, we see something beautiful. That despite all the ways Elijah expected God to show up, God still showed up differently. The passage reads, Then God said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. 
So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now I want to start by acknowledging that yes, God can appear in big ways. In fact, we see throughout the Bible people hearing God in huge ways, unimaginable. In Exodus 3, we see God speaking to his people and leading them out of Israel through a bush on fire. In Luke 3.22, we hear God's voice through the Holy Spirit as a dove descends down and proclaims upon Jesus, you are my son whom I love, and you, I am, in you I am well pleased. We see bold proclamations of God through his prophets throughout the centuries covered by the Old Testament. See, God can and has spoken in a booming voice. And some of you may have experienced those booming voice moments. As I was thinking about how to frame this sermon, the thing that came to mind most was the time that I heard God most clearly in my life. And that was in 2010. See, I was ready to move to Honduras. I had been accepted to the Peace Corps for their business development program and was excited to put my then much better Spanish skills to work to develop nonprofit organizations serving the community. And I knew it was the right fit and exactly what I was meant to be doing. And then it got canceled. See, Honduras had a coup, and the Peace Corps decided that it was not so peaceful at that time. So they canceled the trip. My plans, the one I had carefully orchestrated uh, for my future, the ones that I had chosen, just fell to pieces. And then something happened. God spoke, and probably more surprisingly, I actually listened. See, during that year, uh, this was the end of my college experience, I had made three never statements. From that point, I have decided that I should not make never statements. But I had said three things. I said, one, I would never move to any country in Africa. Because at that time, it seemed like everyone was moving there as a fad to quote unquote, save children in Africa. And I had no context. I hadn't studied it. I didn't think I could be helpful there. Second, I would never be involved in short-term service trips. And the third is I'd never be involved in ministry. Clearly one of those didn't work out. But naturally, I ended up moving to South Africa as a missionary to, in part, support short-term service trips. But there was a lot more than that, than God's humor. Uh, it was honestly a start of a realignment of how I interacted with God. See, God was speaking to me for years, but I had him on mute. I had him on mute because I was so busy pursuing my 10-year plan that anything that wasn't rubber stamping what I had mapped out for myself wasn't getting through. I was filtering it through my static. But once my plan fell through, I was given an opportunity to actually listen. See, for the prior several months, I was actually helping a college ministry think about their short-term service trip to South Africa. The leader of that ministry was attempting to restructure the program. Um, to focus on education, and he put it pretty bluntly, right? It was a, a short-term mission trip, and he basically said the only skill set college students have is while well, getting into college. So how do we leverage that? 
Um, and since I had been a teacher for a little while, I agreed to help think through the program, never thinking I'd be involved in the program in the long term. See, God was talking, I just wasn't listening at that point. And yet, after what I thought I was supposed to do fell through, God started speaking loudly. And the static, my, my expectations, what I thought was supposed to happen, was cleared away so I could finally start listening. And that's when I had the interaction that changed my trajectory. A mentor of mine approached me randomly and said that he had heard that my plans had fallen through and that he knew I was hoping to go abroad after university. He mentioned a trust that he sat on. I still have never met anyone from this trust, by the way. Um, and he said, I sit on this board and they offer grants for people to do something for a year. Literally, that was the description of the grant. Do something for a year. He asked if there was anywhere in the world I'd be able to travel, and I felt words forming in my throat, and before I could stop them, I said, Mamelodi, South Africa. And he said, great, the applications were due two months ago, and we're deciding tomorrow, but if you get me something today, I'll see if they'll consider it. I was like, okay. So I called this person that I was working with on the short-term mission project, and said, what if I just move there for a year? That doesn't sound crazy. And in as much surprise as I was, he said, okay. So I applied. See, I knew this was God speaking because there was no way I would have chosen this for myself at the time. In fact, I tried very hard to do anything but this. And I can't explain this day or the year plus that followed other than that it was one of the times that I was most in tune with what God was saying to me. See, that day, despite my 10-year plan and my own thoughts about what I should be doing, I was hearing God speak through others and hearing the Holy Spirit loud and clear. Despite my nevers, I had said I knew that, in spite of me, I was being called to move to Mamalodi. I didn't know why. I didn't know for what. All I knew was that my first trip ever outside the U.S. was going to be moving to a country for which I had no context. And in some ways, I think that was God's way of removing static for me. See, I believe that God pursues us. And I was so stubborn, so unwilling to hear what God had to say to me, that he had to move me around the world to a completely unfamiliar place, into a career that I had sworn I would never enter, just so I would listen. But hearing God didn't stop there. When I moved to South Africa, I was left without the things I was used to, which allowed me, and if I'm honest, forced me, to be open to listening. The first few months I was there, I just listened, and genuinely listened. I walked around and I talked to people. I listened to their stories, desires, and hopes, tragedies and frustrations. I had a lot more time to read and think. I spent more time in prayer and more time reading the Bible than I had in a long time. I was reminded of Jesus' life and ministry and how he cared for people and how we were called to do the same. And I had a lot more time just to sit and marvel at what God created and to hear what God was saying through that creation. I soon found myself, about three months in, helping to start a computer program to help kids learn how to use computers, a sports club, and a young men's group. This is when I knew that I was not only hearing God, but I was listening. Because if you know anything about me, you would know that I'm computer inept and certainly should not be teaching anyone about computers. That while I like sports, they don't like me and I'm not very good at any of them. <laughs> 
and that I have a complex understanding of gender. And yet there I was, with God saying, trust me, I'll provide people to help you out, because clearly you can't do it on your own. I was so out of my element, so unsure of what I was doing, that I had no choice but to listen to what God was saying. That wasn't the only time through that year that I heard God clearly. About five months in, in January, which is South Africa's summer, uh, we were going on a field trip. For some reason, it seemed like a good idea to bring 100 rising grade eight students to do a holiday program, a summer program, to learn study skills. And during that first field trip, uh, if you know, so very briefly, in South Africa, the summers, it's fairly dry year-round. The summers are very rainy. Um, and when this was going on, I, I still was asking these big questions. Despite God coming through over and over, my communications with God were, can this really be? Am I really enough? Is this going to work? When's it going to fail? And God kept saying, trust and follow me. And in the midst of the summer, we decided to have nearly 100 rising grade 8 students attend this two-week program. And in the afternoon, we did a bunch of outdoor activities. We did sports, a bunch of stuff like that. We actually had, if anyone knows rugby, there's a big team in Pretoria called the Blue Bulls. They randomly saw our program and decided to volunteer to help teach our kids rugby because they clearly understood I was not capable. <laughs> um, and so things like this kept happening. Um, and we had no rain plan. Right? There was no indoor space we could have used. And all the teachers out there, which I know we have a lot, are kind of gasping right now because you never go anywhere with a bunch of kids, much less 100, without a rain plan. But we didn't. So there was one Saturday we went on a field trip, and it was supposed to rain all day. I was worried that it would make transportation hard for the kids. And while we had chartered a bus, the learners still had to walk from their homes, sometimes as many as two or three miles away. The morning was bright, though, so everyone showed up, we got in the bus, and it started pouring. The entire bus ride, we were going to a museum, um, it just poured. But about you know, a few minutes before we got there, it stopped. I was like, great, because we have to eat lunch, and the only place to eat lunch is outside. So everyone got to eat their lunch outside, everyone went into the museum, and it started pouring again. So I was like, all right, well, hopefully uh, we'll just have to run to the bus at the end of this. But it stopped raining when they had to leave. They got in the bus. It poured on the way home. And in my mind, I was like, oh, no, now I've got to send them home. I've got to figure out, is there a different transportation plan so that they're not walking in the rain? But by the time we got back to Mamelodi, it stopped again. And that day strikes me, and it stays in my mind, uh, because it, for me, it was God reminding me that my creator is so much bigger than I can possibly comprehend. Now, some of you are sitting here and thinking, well, that was just luck or coincidental weather patterns, and honestly, I certainly did. Others of you are probably like, wow, that's pretty stupid of you to bring 100 kids on a bus knowing they might get stuck on the rain. And you're probably both right. But see, there are moments that we have to acknowledge that God speaks through the mundane as well. So whether miraculous or mundane, God was speaking to me through those weather patterns, reminding me of God's presence. The supernatural is not required for God to speak to us. And I think it's often because we're waiting for some flashing light that we're just not listening to all the ways God speaks to us through everything else. 
Now, I could spend far too much time and probably already have talking about the ways God spoke to me and those involved in this program. In fact, there are so many ways that God is still working through what has now become the Mamelodi Initiative. And it's now celebrating its 10th year in existence and doing, frankly, far more than I could have ever imagined, far more than my 10-year plan permitted, which is another reminder from God that God's just bigger. In fact, there were so many times over that year and several months that I felt God's presence, that I heard God clearly, that I did something that I don't normally do. I journaled. Because, honestly, before that time, I often questioned whether God would ever speak to me at all. I wondered, um, I, you know, I just often felt alone. I felt quiet. You know, I, I doubted. And what I knew and understood at that moment was that despite how I feel right at this moment, the, the presence of God, I was at least smart enough to understand that I'd probably doubt again. So I wrote it all down. I wrote those moments, those connections, those voices, so that I could return to them in the moments when I felt alone again. So why do I share this story? Honestly, it's less about the booming voice moments as it is about the journey afterwards. See, the booming voice moments are easy, right? It's great when God speaks loudly, clearly. Um, I often say I like when God tells me to do things I don't want to do because then it removes any concern that it might be my desire over his. But, you know, those, you know, those booming moments might be what we most often associate when we think about hearing from God. But... If I'm honest with myself, the booming voice that I heard in South Africa wasn't any different than hearing God today. The only difference was that I was attuned and able to hear it. When I returned to the U.S., so did a lot of the static. I kept some of the rhythms for a bit, but no longer in ministry and no longer sort of hearing things as clearly as I thought I did, I began to struggle. It was easy when I felt like God was yelling his plan for my life. It got much harder when it seemed murky. But the reality is that sometimes, if not often, we're not going to hear the big booming voice. And frankly, some of us may never hear a big booming voice in our life, but we can always hear the whisper. And the whisper can be through people in our lives, through God's word preserved in the Bible, or even through God's creation around us. See, I want to pause a moment here to think about what it means to hear God. And when I say hear, I mean listen to what God is saying. Because we all connect to God differently. There are spaces or ways that we interact with our creator. And there's not one right way. And I think sometimes we get so fixated on the way we think God is supposed to show up in our lives that we miss all the ways God is already there. For some of us, God shows up through prayer. Others, it's singing and, and, and worship. Still others, perhaps, connect on an intellectual level. And for some of us, it may even be through exercise or nature or serving others. See, part of being able to hear God and listen to God is knowing where we hear God most clearly. Is knowing where we are able to set aside the static and, and be still enough to actually listen. The reality is that God is speaking to us all the time. The real question is whether we're listening. 
See, hearing God isn't as mysterious as it might sound because God is always at work in our lives and always communicating with us. God speaks through the people around us, through the Holy Spirit, through the Word in the Bible, through art, through books, through emotions, through relationships. God will use whatever mechanism to speak to us, and we're showing that throughout the Bible. If you're like me, sometimes you might have felt that you had to plead with God to speak with you. And when God does speak, we immediately question whether it's God or just happenstance. But the reality is we never have to convince God to speak to us because God's already doing that actively. God's, because of God's grace, we have the ability to tune our ears into the presence of our creator. And our spiritual practices and rhythms can help us learn to hear what God is already saying. See, the key to understanding how we hear God, or the key is to understand how we hear God in our own lives. Because our relationship with God is personal, which means, like any good relationship, first, it requires that we make time for it. And second, it requires that we have to come up with the right rhythms and patterns for us. It's not a one-size-fit-all relationship. Now, some of us have probably heard of the concept of spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines, uh, which is just honestly a fancy term for rhythms in our life that help us connect to our Creator. There's one particular practice called examine, which is the practice of discerning the voice and activity of God within the flow of the day. It's a vehicle that creates deeper awareness of God-given desires in our life. Now, why I bring this up um, is that in some ways I, I find it, as someone who has a lot of things going on, whether it's family or friends or church or volunteer things or work, or, or the idea of setting aside times just to be present with God is so important for me to actually be able to listen. Now, the practice of examine was developed or really popularized by St. Ignatius Loyola, who was a Jesuit, and he included it in his spiritual exercises and focused on placing himself in God's presence. So in that moment of the day, right, and examine just means sort of examination in Latin, I think. Someone probably knows Latin better than me. But the whole point is just taking a moment out of your day to think about how God interacted. And so... Ignatius would, would tell people to place themselves in God's presence, to give thanks for God's great love, and then pray for the grace to understand how God is acting in their life. And then he would do something really important. He would review his day. He would recall specific moments and his feelings at the time. He would reflect on what he did, said, or thought in those instances. He would ask whether those moments were where he was drawing closer to God or going further away. And he would look towards tomorrow. He would think about how he could collaborate more effectively with God's plan. See, the, the heart of this idea is to review your day and to see when God was speaking and question whether you were hearing God at that time. Now, James Martin, who is a, a Jesuit, wrote The Jesuit Guide to Almost Everything, and he described the process of examine as one where you effectively push the play button and run through your day from start to finish. From your rising in the morning to preparing to go to bed at night, notice what made you happy, what made you stressed, what confused you, 
What helped you to be more loving? Recall everything, sights, sounds, feelings, tastes, textures, conversations. That's words and deeds, as Ignatius says. Each moment offers a window to where God has been in your day. Jim Manny, another author and, and Jesuit, wrote that the mundane and the humdrum parts of our day give depth and texture to our relationship with God. Washing the windows and cooking dinner are as much a part of the relationship as graduation day. It's part of our human experience, therefore God is in it. So according to the Jesuit tradition, Ignatius was emphatic about examine, and he lived in the 1400s, I think, late 1400s. Uh, but from that time, he told early Jesuits that if they, for any reason, did no other spiritual exercise, that they should at least do this one. Check in with God daily. See, because again, when we're not hearing from God, we have to ask how we're listening. Now, examine is meant to open us up both to the difficult and the beautiful in our lives, in our relationships, and in our profession. And so maybe you're someone who feels like they hear from God, they're able to listen to God, they have those moments. That's great. If you're not one of those people, I challenge you to, to try this, to put aside part of your day and to, to seek to try and see where God is interacting with you in it. See, examine is really just a way of patterning our time with God to remove the static in our lives and to open ourselves to hearing God's still, small voice. And we actually, I'm going to take just a moment to do that. Now, if you're like me and you're a processor, I'm going to go through these questions a little too fast. Feel free to just write them down. No one's going to check to see whether you actually did the activity. Um, but I want to provide just a moment because if we're honest, Sometimes even church feels like a chore, full of static. The things going through our mind here are as much whatever's worrying us or whatever we're planning to do after church or whatever work stress, family stress, or personal stress we're bringing in here. And I want you all to just set that aside for the next two minutes and open your heart and ears to hear God. Think about the following questions, and let's apply it to the weekend. It was a beautiful weekend. Hopefully you got outside at least a little bit. Um, but what moment this weekend were you most grateful? And for what moment were you least grateful? If it helps, just close your eyes. Block everything else out. When did you give and when did you receive the most love this weekend? What was the most life-giving part of the weekend? And what was the most life-thwarting? When did you have the deepest sense of connection with God? With others? And with yourself? And when did you have the least sense of connection? Where were you aware of living out the fruits of the Spirit? And where was there an absence of the fruit of the Spirit 
and your weekend. Now see, those are just some examples of the types of questions that can help you think through your day. Honestly, all you're asking is, where was God present in my day? Or where was God present in my weekend? Checking in. Because at least for me, and maybe it's only me, I'm so distracted by everything else going on, I often forget to ask that in the moment. See, because hearing God is actually a lot simpler than we often make it out to be. The problem is not whether God is speaking, but whether we are listening. And part of listening or hearing from God is is not just listening for the booms, but also for the whispers. And in order to hear the whispers, we need to remove the static in our lives. See, when we're focusing on practices that form the mind of Christ in us, on how we are connecting with God, we have to first ask how we hear God. Because if we aren't listening to our creator, how can we be in line with God's image for our lives? Let us pray. God, we thank you for all the ways you speak and all the times you speak to us despite whether we're listening or not. God, we pray that as we enter this week, as we walk away from this space, that you can open our hearts and our minds to hear more clearly, that you can rid us of whatever static is in the way, that you can remove those expectations that we have of a certain form of communication and allow us to be open for the myriad ways that you can speak through the people around us, Lord, through the creation that you have made, through your word. God, we pray that we can look at these things with fresh eyes and hear with fresh ears to see what you're truly telling us. In your name we pray. Amen.